Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg as always, and uh, it, you are not uh, losing your mind. It is once again Wednesday, when normally I know you guys like getting this podcast on Tuesdays. I like doing it on Tuesdays, and unfortunately, uh, work schedule has been nuts. Dave is on vacation. Um, he just proposed to his girlfriend last night, so uh, Dave is now engaged, preparing to get married. Uh, what a world we live in. Anything can happen, folks. Um, but very, very happy for them. I mean, that's that's just incredible. They're two awesome people, and they, they deserve all the love and happiness that uh, they're going to find together. I don't know what that sticker was on the bottom. I'm going to rip that off so I don't touch it later. Uh, and so the schedule just kind of whacked so that's why uh, I'm once again doing this on a Wednesday. Next week, we will be back to our regularly scheduled hours. And then a, a week from this Saturday, so the next podcast will be like the final time talking about it, but I will be doing my 24-hour live stream on twitch.tv slash the drop rate. Uh, even if you like pop on and don't watch the whole thing or even mute it, just being in the chat helps the chat or ha helps the um, stream get recognized when you're there watching it. So you even even just showing up, is awesome. So, you know, any help you can do is always really greatly appreciated. And I would love that. Um, so thank you. If you can do that. Also, there is a donation page. Um, I'm going to put, uh, in the description somewhere of these uh, podcasts, which basically you can just go like, uh, you can just donate directly. And, um, and so, uh, it just, it's for the children's hospital, of Wisconsin. So let's raise some money for some kids. And then at the store, we are doing a, uh, a sale the same day that I'm streaming, so I won't be there for the sale, but that Saturday we will be doing a buy one, get one half off on all used game sales, and then 10% of our total sales that day will be going to the charity. So we're donating a bunch from the store, and we've got a lofty goal this year. We're trying to break $3,000, which I can't even imagine we're going to get there, but I hope we do. <laughs> so we're going to try. Um, it, it's a lofty goal. It's a, it's a stretch for us. I think last year we did like twenty two or 2400 um, when our goal was 2000. So we broke last year, but we obviously upped it this year to try to, to try to do better. And so I got to work harder to try to let people know about what's going on. Um, all right, let's move on to our first topic of the day, shall we? So the first thing we want to talk about is in television of all things. So I wouldn't have thought I'd be doing a video this quickly on this, but, uh, back in, let's see here, back in May, uh, Tommy Tallarico, who is quite known in the video game industry, actually, uh, he he actually made an announcement saying they're going to bring another Intellivision console to market. And everyone was, of course, like, okay, so probably like a plug-and-play Intellivision or something like that. And he was very quick to say, no, we're not doing your typical classic, your, your plug-and-play Intellivision. Because they've done a few like Intellivision classics for consoles. And I want to say they did do it in television plug and play. Maybe not. Um, but they've done a few things like in televisions re-released, like I think like that pocket thing. But anyway, so we're all thinking something like that. And he was very quick to say, no, this is going to be something new. And you're like, okay, well, everyone always kind of says that, but you know, you never know. Well, finally, finally, they have released what it is. And it is called the active or the Intellivision, excuse me, Amico. The Amico. Uh, it is pretty cool looking. You can see here from the picture. I mean, obviously this is concept art, not final. Um, obviously everyone on the podcast, it's hard for you. There's no way for you to see this, but it's kind of like the, it almost looks like a, like a white router, wireless router. <laughs> it's on the top. It's got, uh, two, what look like old school iPods, um, which replicate the Intellivision controller from back in the day where you had like the kind of circle 
pad and then you had a bunch of number keys on the top well this one doesn't have the number keys it's got a touch screen instead and on the button it still has uh, or on the sides it still has like four buttons uh two on each side so i mean obviously it's a video uh, that we're going to be talking about here. So podcast listeners, bear with me as I kind of go over what we have here as the video is playing. Uh, I might stop it a few times just to kind of give some impressions on it, but we're going we're, we're gonna to do our thing here. So Before I get nuts, I got to make sure that... Recording uh, sure audio. All right, it is. Cool. So, the first thing I noticed right away, just awesome soundtrack to this video. <laughs> um, so, the beginning of this video is they're talking about a lot of firsts. They had the first, you know, first console with this many directions, first, um, yeah, first 16 directional disc pad, the first real time strategy city building game. And they had talked about like, the first creators of the console wars. They were the first ones to come after Atari uh, that was rocking the, the industry at the moment. I mean, this thing's about as marketing heavy as Um, to HDMI out multiple USB ports, okay. Onboard interactive lighting, okay. <laughs> it's got controllers. So the controllers say that they have two wireless Bluetooth controllers with color touchscreens, a simple positional disc, and four arcade-style tactile feedback buttons. And also has a gyroscope and accelerometer, so you can tilt the controllers and move. It also has force feedback. That's the plan. I mean, that's a lot of stuff to jam in these little things. There's a microphone and speaker both in the controller as well. And they charge when they're resting in the dock. So they're wireless controllers that charge while they're there. Now, a neat thing they have planned is also a connectivity. I'm going to pause this for a second. They have connectivity to your smartphone. So you'll be able to download an app and use your smartphone as a controller as well. Okay. I mean, that's... Well, okay, I'm on board. Let's keep going. Now they're talking, firstly, they're saying now all games are console exclusive, which is very interesting because that kind of limits your market. Now, this is also interesting. It also said all games are rated E for everyone or E10 plus. So they're really trying to keep this as like a family friendly only console. So there would be no, there will be no uh, T for teen games and no mature rated games. Um, okay. So they also have something they're talking about the quality control, balance gameplay and design for equal opportunity gaming. Now the games they say are going to be priced $2.99 to $7.99, so no game will be over $8. And I believe this next slide is going to say no DLC or in-app purchases. So they're actually making a rule that says you cannot have in-app purchases like smartphone games, and you can't have DLC add-ons later. So every game has to be complete as it is. Uh, it's going to be online. It has a time and space leaderboard system. So just a like a overall leader-based board system in place of like a trophy or reward system, I suppose. Uh, rewards, which are a trophy slash achievement rewards, completely unique to each player. Multiplayer online tournament play. A store to buy games, of course. <laughs> now here, let's pause here. The price point... They are saying right now will be between one forty nine ninety nine and one seventy nine ninety nine, um, and we'll talk a bit more about that as after we finish the video here, because uh, we still have two minutes to go. 
reimagined game licenses. Talking about updated graphics, audio, added levels, multiplayer modes, online multiplayer modes. I can't even read as fast as these slides are going. Uh, they're remaking old intelligent classics. They're remaking Atari classics. They're a magic or iMagic, which are the, was a brand game for Atari. They're being redone, and they're showing a few of the games like uh, Burger Time, uh, Moon Patrol, R Type. These being like remade for this intelligent system, but not just ported, but like remade. Uh, Kung Fu Master Archon, Toe Jam and Earl, Spelunker. So a couple of those were interesting, like uh, Toe Jam and Earl. Uh, they're saying that there's going to be over 20 brand new games at launch. So I don't know what kind of games they are, but they'll be rated E for everyone. And then here they talk about the team a little bit. I think I'm just going to skip past all this. So Tommy Tallarico, he, he's our first dude. So they talk about here, 30-year award-winning industry veteran, creator of Video Games Live. That's the orchestra that goes around playing video game music. It's actually really cool. Uh Guinness World Record for most video games worked on in a lifetime. Uh, some of the games he's worked on include Earthworm Jim, Metroid Prime, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, Guitar Hero, Sonic, Pac-Man, Aladdin, and Madden Football. Um, and not that I want to take anything away from these other people, um, but we have Jason Enos. He's a 20-year veteran that worked on Castlevania, Metal Gear Solid, Silent Hill. So he worked at Konami for quite a long time. Uh, then he was at Tekken. Or he worked on Tekken, Pac-Man, Ace Combat, and Dragon. I don't know what it says. Game says Dragon Ball Z. I don't know which Dragon Ball Z game. But uh, he worked for Sega, Konami, EA, and Namco. So obviously that's 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 big names. You know, not take anything away from that. You know, um, our marketing person is a 20-year industry vet. Um, Perrin Kaplan, uh, she launched the following consoles, Super Nintendo, Nintendo DS, Nintendo Wii, GameCube, and N64. So she was the VP of Marketing and Corporate Affairs for Nintendo. Either she is or she was. I'm, I'm confused by this, if maybe she still is. I, I would assume you can't have both. But. Uh, then we have Beth uh, Elwin, Lewin, Llewellyn, Llewellyn. Uh, and she's a 12-year Nintendo vet for public relations. She worked on Pokemon, Nintendo Wii, Nintendo DS. But again, that's just, you know, that's just public relations. It's not really anything to do with the creation of the system. So there's an advisor slash investor. <laughs> so he was the creator of Shiny Entertainment. Uh, we have a guy who worked at Chemco, Scott Sumara. Uh, we have Phil Adam, who is a 35-year industry vet. Um, Steve Roney is the Intellivision co-founder. He is on board. Bill Fisher, the VP of Technology, has worked with Intelligence since 81. Now, these are going so fast. Um, Andre Lamoth, he's a 30-year video game hardware software programmer and designer. Uh, over 750 products brought to market. Other work includes artificial intelligence at NASA. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jeez, he's, he's the hardware evangelist. <laughs> uh, hardware advisor, we've got Mike Mika. 20 years Retro game design slash programming slash hardware. He worked at Disney, Nintendo, Capcom, Ubisoft, Konami, Warner Brothers, and Fox. He worked on Street Fighter, 1942, Super Puzzle Fighter, Dragon's Lair, Sega Genesis Collection, Capcom Collection, Midway Arcade, Treasures, Rayman, Spyro, The Dragon Collection, and Yu-Gi-Oh! So he he's not messing around either. Uh, we have Emily Rosenthal, who's the communication and events. I, okay, moving on. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with this thing. And the VP of Production dash Retro, whatever that means, is named Paul Nermanen. He's a producer slash host of the Intellivisionaries podcast. His skills are he's a video game historian, retro gaming accessories development, and he's an IT and tech. So that's kind of a weird one because VP of Production is just someone who ran a podcast for a while. But um, so here it is, coming 10-10-2020. So we still have 
two years to go before we see this thing on shelves and that's barring any sort of setbacks and delays um but yeah uh there it is <laughs> Uh, so that was the video. I know it went kind of fast, but like that video went really fast. I could have made that into a couple videos, I think maybe, uh, it would have been a little more, uh, effective. Um, so let's kind of crack into this right away. Right. So I, I want to start by talking about the date, um, and really how this all is as a concept. So right now this is at its earliest stages. You really can't trust too much. You can't expect too much. It truly is at its earliest phase right now. They have an idea. They've conceptualized that idea, and they're going to hope to bring that idea to life. Will they? Yeah, that's a good question. I guess it depends on how successful it is. Uh, so as we get back in here, um, they talk about... Uh, so so it's, it's... Sorry, I'm moving on. Before I move on, it's at its earliest stages, we don't know if this will be successful yet. We also don't know how they're going to fund it. We don't know... Um, the plan for anything like that. Obviously, a lot of us are very nervous after everything's been going on with the, you know, the Atari uh, system that's coming out, and then there was the whole Coleco Chameleon debacle, the the Phantom system, if you remember that from all those years ago. So there's there's been a lot of this um, worrisome hardware over the years. Now there are clearly a lot of, you know, people attached to it that seem to have a real passion for it and and seem to be a part of it. So it could work. You don't know. Um, and so we'll have to see. And obviously being two years away, I'm not going to jump on some hate train right away. Because what's funny about a system like this is oftentimes with reboots and with, you know, ports and all that sort of stuff, you hate them if it's for something you don't want, but you love them if it's for something you want. Um, you know, and, and I, I, I'm, I am pretty fair with what I say about reboots is I'm okay with them as long as they're price appropriate. If you like port a game like Resident Evil 4 to PS4, but it's 20 bucks. I'm okay with that. You know, you port world ends with you to the switch, which was a $30 DS game. And now it's a $50 switch game. That's based off of the iPhone game. That's already been out. I'm not okay with that. <laughs> Even though I don't uh, necessarily, I mean, I like Resident Evil four, but I, you know, I mean, I and I actually bought, I want to buy, I should say world ends with you. I just, I can't for that price. You know, I just, I can't do it. So anyway, let's get to the talking points though. So first we got a ways to go. So don't get too excited about it. So the first thing, uh, one of the first things they talked about was that they wanted to offer an approachable family oriented gaming experience that anyone can pick up and play regardless of skill level. So they're trying to say it's an alternative to Xbox one and PS4 and they have a term that they're calling quote equal opportunity gaming. Uh, and again, getting back to the one slide games will be rated E for everyone or E 10 plus. So there will be no T for teen games. There will be no mature games. So, I mean, I'd be honest, like, I think a system like this needs as many games as possible. So I definitely appreciate that it's trying to be more family-friendly system. But why don't you design something like the system software that if you have, basically you can have it into family mode and the store and none of the mature games or T games would even show up. You know, that makes more sense to me than just saying, you know what, we're never going to have mature games or T games. Because I'll be honest, I have a hard time thinking, not that I only play those type of games, I play all games, but I have a hard time with this. You know, I have a, I have a hard time trying to see where this system hits me personally. And maybe it's not for me. And if it's not, that's okay. Uh, but then I won't buy one. So, you know, I think especially a new piece of hardware, you want to make it available to as many people as possible. Um, so... 
all the games we eat for everyone at E10 Plus and will sell for between $3 and $8. So they're saying that no game will be more than $8. So that makes sense, especially if it was like a mobile platform or if they're trying to go after that mobile or, or, um, you know, like that, that, um, the, the Android store, the, the Apple store, that sort of thing. But then they say that they are banning downloadable content and in-app purchases for these titles. So that can kind of throw a wrench into this price structure. Like I'm very curious as to how many game companies will go, well, I can make a $3 game, but I need microtransactions or I need pay to win to make that, to have that game make me money, you know? And even if they were good about it, which some companies are like I'm playing Dragalia lost and I've spent a penny on it. It seems like I can play most of the game and, and whatever, you know? And there are certain games like punch, punch, kick punch, which is like my favorite, um, iOS game, like of all time. But, you know, they have in-app purchases too. So they at least allow it, you know, you know, as long as they're maybe watching so that the games don't do it so egregiously, but just flat out banning it. Like, I definitely appreciate what they're trying to do here, but a lot of this sounds like buzzwords to me. Like everyone's bucking the trend of microtransactions right now. So we're going to make a console that doesn't do it. You know, um, video game violence is in the news. People are talking about, you know, the Madden tournament shooting and all this other stuff. So, there'll not, not be any mature or T-rated games, no violent games. And so it, it almost feels like they're purposely hitting these talking points to to, uh, to to dodge like the anything that has any sort of negative feedback right now in the video game industry. Um, you know, so I don't know how much you can trust the system when it it's like a politician that comes out and it's like, oh yeah, you guys, you hate this? Well, I hate that too. But you guys are loving this? I love it too. Even though any past voting might go against that you know all reason might go against that but they're saying it at the time that's what it kind of feels like um so the plan and this is very key here <laughs> plans to ship the emico with two wireless bluetooth controllers that have 3.5 inch color touchscreens uh, this bothers me a little bit because i don't know what kind of quality touchscreen you can get with that price point that they're charging now if the system itself is basically like a raspberry pi in the box then they have extra cost available to make their controllers nicer but this is i think something that a lot of these console makers really skimp on and it's because it's a place they can cut a lot of money but i think it's a real big miss is the controllers controllers are like the first line of quality control for a consumer as soon as they pick up that controller that's going to tell them everything they want to know about the quality of this hardware and so if you pick up that controller and it feels cheap or if it feels like junk or doesn't work properly that system is junk even no matter what else the system can do, it won't matter if that controller's junk. And so I'm worried that they're going to have to make these controllers cheap. I mean, they look good from, like, the design of them looks cool. Like I said, they look, for my podcast listeners, they look sort of like, you know, um, they look like, I'm going to bring this back up here. They look like, oh, man, of course I had it. They, they look like old-gen iPods. You know, like like an iPod that had a screen on it, but you still had the little dial at the bottom that you would hit. It looks like a, a smoother, more futuristic version of the Intellivision controller, which obviously makes sense. Um, so that's kind of their business plan is no microtransactions, no DLC, cheap games, only games for the family. And then wireless, I, I love the wireless controllers. I love it. I love that they charge in the top of the system. So when you're done, you pop them in, they charge. Like that's all good stuff. Um uh, it's, but I'm worried, how do you get a, a touchscreen that nice at that price point? Um, and then getting to the price point, since we're talking about it, 149 to 179.99 is the price point. Uh, 150, I could kind of see it. Um, 
But if this releases in 2020, by that time, the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and Switch will most likely have price reductions. So maybe not the Switch, probably the Switch, because that's still two years away. So let's look at this realistically. The Switch might have a second version out, like the, the Switch XL or the Switch, you know, the 3DS Switch XL, new portable Switch XL portable mini. And they might have something like that. Uh, and then the original Switch might be brand new for 149 or 199 the ps4 will most definitely have a price drop by then because that's by my calculations 2020 is when the new console will come out the playstation 5 sony's aiming for 2021 but they might be saying that so that microsoft thinks it's 2021 and they come out in 2020 like bam um but yeah so uh that is sort of you know the the thought there Price-wise, I just don't feel like it is a competitor for those systems. And they're talking about how they want to be an alternative to Xbox One and PS4 when those won't even necessarily be the most talked-about thing at that time. In fact, they'll be on the backslide. Those consoles, that, that's the end of that console generation. So you're making a system that's going to be an alternative to a console that's on its way out. So I just, a little bit of weird marketing there. Um, you know, but they are trying to be different, and I can appreciate that. That's one thing I like about Nintendo and I like about the Switch is that it's trying to be different from Microsoft and from PlayStation, is that it's not just trying to be a third HD console with console exclusives and blah, blah. It's just, you know, it has its own thing. Um, so, moving on from that. Price point, 150 to 180 uh, I don't know. I feel like it's more expensive than the average person will pay, but not expensive enough to be quality. That's It just falls right in the middle for me. And, and I feel like the Atari box was kind of the same thing. The, the VCS was kind of the same thing. Um, so hopefully it's good. I mean, the VCS, I think is actually what, 250 though, or two, 250 or 300. So that's, that's closer to not being too expensive. Like that's, that's more expensive. Than the average person would want, but it's not making it feel like the system would be cheap, but we should have to figure out how that's all going to go. So, um, but yeah, the, so the Intellivision Amico, like just kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, we knew they were thinking something. I think almost all of us thought it was just going to be whatever um but it's too early to trash on it yet so we'll have to see obviously a lot of things change during production development one thing i will say though if this comes out and they go to indiegogo as their platform of choice for crowdfunding i can't realistically support something like this and it's not a it's not a dig on indiegogo it just has to do with their policies and regarding hardware as opposed to something like kickstarter 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 excuse me requires a working prototype Indiegogo does not. Indiegogo could take all of your money, and if you don't reach your goal, they still get the money that they got. Kickstarter, if you don't reach the goal, everyone who pledged gets their money back. It's just two different total things. Not that Kickstarter's perfect by any stretch. Crowdfunding in general, I'm not a big fan of. I would love to see this come out and just hit stores, be able to pre-order it on Amazon, Best Buy, Target, whatever, GameStop, whatever, and be able to get it that way, as opposed to you know, if they do crowdfunding for this, I'm just, I don't know. Personally, I'm not a fan of crowdfunding consoles because that shows that the company doesn't have enough money to launch the console on their own. And if they don't have enough money to do that, how are they going to have enough money to get people on board to make more games for it? And how are they going to have money, uh, enough money to market it so that it gets out there so that more people buy it so that more companies want to make games for it? Like, how is any of that possible without money? And I, as much as I love kickstarting small projects that are like people's passion, Something like this isn't a small project that someone's passion. Launching a console is a big deal. And us as consumers should not bear 100% of the risk of that. And, and I feel the same way about the Atari VCS. I've said it. The Commodore 64 or the 64 C64 Mini, 
you know, that's a little different story because I, people think I trashed that mini console. I actually think the mini is fine. I was trashing the fact that the company promised people a full-size Commodore computer and then are giving them the mini as a promise and hope that it sells well so that they can have enough money to deliver the product they originally grabbed money for. So that's, long story short, that's my summation of that. So I'm just going to wait and see. I'm going to wait and see what the crowdfunding is, but it's okay to be excited for it. I, I, I'm not in that camp of just taking a dump on things super early. It's really okay to be excited about it. It's really cool that they're trying something different. I applaud them for that. And I hope to see the way their business plan and strategy is for this, that it's not all the risk put on us, the consumers, through some shady uh, crowdfunding. All right, so I have a couple other stories I want to talk about here today. One is a follow-up to last week, um, and that one, and then there's another one about this flashback maker, and then I want to talk about Sony and uh, how how their name change thing is going to work because some interesting news came up about that. Um, so let's uh, let's see here. So I'm going to start with the this story here. All right, this story is the headline flashback maker trades Twitter snipes with fans over downgraded Pac-Man plug and play. So originally the story was, uh, here's another plug and play device. Hey, no shocking surprise. It is Pac-Man Bandai Namco flashback blast. It's got HDMI. I think is that Wi-Fi or wireless controllers, probably wireless controllers. Uh, can't see if this picture is small. So they're coming out with a new plug and play device. Okay. Who cares? It happens all the time. No reason to get upset. However, there was a reason to get upset with this one because it's made by AT Games, first of all, which, as we all know, they made the Sega Genesis ones that weren't great. Um, they, they're certainly, like, these things are okay hardware. Like, if you just had no other games in the world and you were craving playing a video game and you found one of these in a dumpster on the side of the road, you'd be like, I'd play that, you know? It, and, and say, like, oh, my wife really feels like playing Streets of Rage and I, I don't want to pull out my cartridge and my Genesis and hook everything up. I'll just get her an AT games. Genesis. Perfect for that. Nothing wrong with these devices. They're just, they're cheap. They're made to be cheap. They're made to be cheap and they are cheap and it's fine. It delivers to you what they promise. Unless you're the Bandai Namco flashback blast. <laughs> so, uh, the reason this hit up the news was because it, originally, uh, they had sent, um, let's see here, they had a review copy was sent to a YouTuber named John Hancock, and he gave it a generally good review. So he thought it was a fine device, you know, basically what I'm saying, you know, it's, it is what it is, or nothing, you know, as long as you understand what you're getting, you'll be happy with it. However, another uh, reviewer known as Mad Little Pixel, or MLP on YouTube, I'm not familiar with them, but hey, go check them out, probably, uh, picked up a version of the console at Walmart and gave it a very different, much more negative review. So I'm not going to go over their reviews, but I'm going to kind of talk about what they said were the differences. So a lot of the fans of MLP pointed out the differences in the reviews, and he realized that the retail version of the console that he bought at the store included the Nintendo version of the games, Whereas the original review copy had the game's original arcade versions. That's kind of a weird twist. Like, So something must have come up, I would assume legal, because there shouldn't be a ROM issue unless there was some sort of software issue by getting the arcade ones in the review one. But the review ones seemed to hit market, or seemed to hit the reviewers and seemed to have no issues. They weren't, uh, there was no problem. Um, now, uh, the uh, the original arcade versions are considered to be much better than the NES versions, which had to be significantly downscaled to work on the less powerful home hardware of the 80s. So, I mean, 
that is true. I would say the NES, a lot of the NES arcade games were very close. Uh, the earlier ones anyway, like your Donkey Kongs, Pac-Mans, they were close, closer. I mean, much better than like the Atari version of Pac-Man, but they still weren't the arcade version. Okay, so you're like, well, that kind of sucks, but they had to make a last minute change. Um, however, the, the real issue that people have is that the box for the retail version of the Bandai Namco Flashback Blast, man, that is a lot to say, uses pictures from the arcade versions, not from the NES versions. So that is a problem. So that, to me, is about as false advertising as you can get. Now, most of the time, businesses get around this by having your box here. Let's bring this up. So they have your box here. And normally, they just have a little sticker up here that says, artwork on box may not be representative of final product <laughs> or something like that. Or you might say right down here, you have a little corner thing that says, arcade version pictured, NES version included, or something like that. Like, you know, they can, they can do that. And most likely, they will. Um, most likely this company will send out a marketing rep. They'll pay a company to go around with these little stickers to every retailer and just put a little sticker in the corner that says, you know, box does not represent final product. And that's it. <laughs> um, so, you know, whatever. You're like, okay, well, they could do that and they should have. It was probably a mistake. Maybe they originally planned to have the arcade versions in there. Clearly they did. They sent those review copies off. And then you get to this, and it's not the same. And someone messed up. Someone didn't go back and change the box art like they should have. Totally understandable. And they'll fix that mistake, most likely. Most likely to avoid a lawsuit, but they'll fix that mistake. Uh, however, one thing that seems to be happening more and more, which I, I'm understanding less and less, is the attacks on from from the companies when people bring this to their attention. Now, I'm the first to say when people bring up, and, and my friend Chris from Implant Games had a great tweet about this uh, the other day, but it just said some people's definite. It was something along. It was I'm ad living here. But it was something or a you know something along the lines of, you know, some people's idea of constructive criticism is very different from what it actually is, or something like that. Basically talking about how people say you suck, you're the worst, and then you say something like, hey, that's not very nice. So go, dude, I'm just giving you constructive criticism on your videos. You know. <laughs> That was the point Chris was making. Uh, by the way, check out Implant Games, uh, awesome channel, doing just awesome game breakdowns. And he literally plays them all, writes the script. Like, he plays everyone before he does the video. He's not like me just winging it here and half-assed it like I do. <laughs> um, so, uh, but he, so people were tweeting at AT Games, saying things like this. And this was one of the replies from the Twitter Quote, the early review version could not make it to production, even though it was anticipated it would. Uh, he goes on to say, you never, after people were arguing with him, he went on to say, quote, you never heard of companies multi-tracking product development? There were, there have never been changes from earlier versions of products versus the retail release? Question mark. Uh, continues on to say, quote, so you're saying we custom made a special product in hopes of deceiving people because we thought no one would make a, would notice a difference like that. I'm not sure I'm seeing how that makes sense versus the reality of a production change End quote. And a final quote here, you clearly don't wish to discuss things reasonably and don't wish for the company to help with whatever issue you might have. So I guess we'll just continue to make one sided accusations <laughs> End quote. <laughs> so, so my issue with this is, is what is up with this, with this company 
um, PR backlash that's been happening a lot lately. Like I understand that they get crapped on a lot. And I'm the first one to say, like, as I was alluding to earlier, people don't bring up things in the nicest way. So I, I get that, you know, um, I can't tell you the number of times at my store though, where someone will come up and just say something like, you know, just totally rude about, you know, this game is five bucks cheaper at another store. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well we price match. I'll, I'll match it for you. If they haven't stocked, I'll just give them a call real quick. If they have it, well, I was just saying it's more expensive here. You know, everything's more expensive here. I'm like, well, like what's more expensive? Like people, people give you a hard time, you know? And some people will walk in and like, I had someone mad at me the other day because of the bagel shop next door was closed earlier than they thought it was going to be. And he was mad at me. Like he was like, well, I just don't know why they're closed. I mean, do you know why they're closed? I'm like, I, I don't, I'm literally not an employee of said bagel shop. I'm just a game store owner uh, here. And, and so people, my point being, I know how it is. I understand the star Wars kickback controversy. I understand the guild wars two thing that happened. Like we covered all this stuff. I get it. Fans can be crappy. And I totally get that. And and they shouldn't have to take abuse. So let me just be forthright about that. Like, they should not have to take abuse. But it's not all abuse. You know, you if you reach out there, okay, social media connects you to your customers. If your customers reach out to you, and, and I agree, like, if someone says something nasty to you, you block them. And you can go to your boss and say, look at this tweet. Like, print it off or save a picture or save a snapshot and just be like, this is what this person said to me. I blocked him on our Twitter. Are you okay with that? And the boss better say yes, or they've got an HR issue. So it's fine. But you can't block people and argue with people that are just challenging you. You know, and, and if this to me was a legitimate issue to challenge somebody on. Like this, this was an issue where you're false advertising your product. They should have said something like, hey, you know what? Um, this did happen. Clearly they're aware of it because they knew what they were talking about right away. And so you say, Okay, we're aware of it. We weren't able to do that. We we had a plan in place to change the marketing on our box to not mislead our customers, but we will offer you a full refund and you can keep the device or something like that. You know, like they could have done something like that. They could reach out and try to find a solution. But as people criticize them, and again, some people criticize them in a much nastier way than others, but you can't take all criticism, especially when you're in the wrong. You have to eat some of that. And they should have been a little more humble about that. Now, AT Games gets a lot of crap. So who knows what their social media people are like they're probably sitting at their desk they're like unshaven their hair's all unkempt and they're just like Ugh, and their ties all ringed off to the side and you're like man i just got another tweet about these at game systems and they had a lot of flack when that the genesis system was going to come out the new one the hdmi one but then it was still being made by them and there was a big backlash and who knows they might have i believe since the delay of that sega's not going through them or something to do it so it's you know they may, things might not be great at AT games right now. Okay. I don't know, but you know, and they have a product that's fine. I don't have a problem with their products, but I do have a problem with social media managers, uh, attacking customers. <laughs> and it just doesn't make any sense to me why they don't just take ownership of it. They could have come out with a press release and said, Hey, you know what? Production changed. It, it was just something, you know, there's not a lot of markup on these things. They're cheap devices. Production changed. The art box, the art does not represent the final product in the box, whatever. And then say, sorry, we didn't mean to mislead you. Anybody who felt misled, take it back to your retailer. We'll contact the retailer and say, we can authorize all returns for cash on that device. That's it. Um, so they went on to say, because um, basically one of the YouTubers who made a video about it uh, was one of the people that was banned. Uh, so... 
the only uh, when when people brought up that they were blocking Twitter users, uh, they uh, they fired back and said, "quote These people crossed the line into harassment, and repeated use of the word scam and words like it." <laughs> so, apparently, I mean, now let's get real for a minute. Is this a scam? No. Okay, they didn't put. No one was sitting in an office being like. We'll put the arcade graphics on the box, but we'll put the Nintendo versions on there. <laughs> They'll never know. No, that's not happening. Uh, what is happening, though, is a change happened, and they didn't do it properly. They messed up. Own, own it. Own your mistakes, man. Like, I, I mean, I screw up at work, and I own it. You know, if I, I forget to put a game in, or I put the wrong game in a case, or I forget a charge cable for a PS4 controller when I've got it, I'm selling the console, like, that's me. That's on me, and I own up to that, and I take care of that customer, so you want them to come back. This, you know, and I understand, like, the, it's always the same problem, right? Like, for some reason, people think they can take negativity and contain it. You know, they think they can contain the internet. When will people learn that once it's out, it's out there? So if you've got one Twitter, one YouTube user, one tweeter in, telling people that this thing's a scam, there's not much you can do about that. You know what you could do about that? You could reach out to them and say, hey, I'm really sorry that you feel this way. We didn't mean to do this. You know, uh, we'll send you um, something, either like a refund or we'll take care of you. And then all we ask is that you please just like give us a chance to make it right. You can't ask for him to stop. Asking somebody to stop has never worked in the history of people stopping ever. <laughs> but what does work is making, giving that person a good experience, giving that, making that person happy. And then they'll be happy. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> it's so easy. Um, but I don't, like I said, I don't understand the backlash. And I think this is one of those things that it's, it's one of those things that's going to keep happening and people are going to keep not understanding why they're getting fired for doing stuff like this. It, the customer, they're all, the company's always going to side with the customer. It sucks. I understand. Um, I always side with the customer because at the end of the day, the customer is why I exist. And, and I, again, in case you're just tuning in to this video that's uploaded and isn't live in case you're just tuning in it's not okay to harass people either and and if someone was like saying oh at games made this worst box i'm gonna go kill them if they release another like you don't have to stand up for that you don't have to take that but i'm but if somebody says hey you know you're not showing the proper product i think this is a scam and then you go after them and block them because they're talking bad about your equipment but you messed up it's not a lie i mean yeah is, is saying it a scam a bit of a stretch yes you know but it's not like they're they're lying about the situation it's not like he came out and said oh this at games i hooked it up it started on fire burned my house down and, it, and my whole family died in it so you know at games don't buy it you know it's it's a scam <laughs> you know it's, it's not like that it's it's a legitimate gripe that people seem to have but again if you're the people also complaining will you please 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 be reasonable <laughs> like I understand it's a product that you paid for. You have an expectation. If it doesn't meet that expectation, you have every right to complain. You do not have a right to harass and to be just a complete idiot and to piss people off. Okay. It's that simple. And that's it. And then lastly, I want to do this. Well, actually there's two stories left. Um, this one is, this was a follow-up to the rockstar story from last week. So, if you remember last week, if you listened to the podcast last week, we talked about uh, Red Dead. Was it last week? Maybe it wasn't last week, two weeks ago. Whatever. It was whatever. It was some time ago. <laughs> uh, so we talked about Rockstar Games, and we talked about their supposed 100-hour work weeks. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was last week. 
so Jason Schreier, when this was all coming out, because basically, if you don't remember, quick recap, uh, one of the heads, like Hauser from Rockstar Games, did an interview with like Vulture, and he basically said something along the lines of, man, we're so into this game, we're so hyped, we're so crazy at the end, I was working like 100 hour plus, 100 plus hour work weeks uh, in the end to get the game done. And the article was this glowing review of how good Red Dead 2 looks and how it's going to be an awesome game and all this other stuff. But then people started really honing in on that 100-plus-hour work weeks thing, and rightfully so. If I heard that, like, this game was... People had to work multiple 100-hour-plus work weeks to get this game done, I would have an issue with that. Like, I And I do have an issue with that. I think working over 100 hours a week is mental. Like, I wouldn't do that. But it really started gaining traction. And while it was all coming out, Jason Schreier, who I actually quite respect as a video game journalist when it comes to... He, he, he does articles for Kotaku... They're always very good. They're well-researched. He has sources. He talks to actual people that are involved, and it's fine. I like his articles for the most part. So he finally, and during all this stuff happening, he came out and said, I've been working on an employees at Rockstar Games Crunch article for quite some time, so, you know, more to come, basically, is what he was saying. So all this stuff was coming out, but he said it was ramped up because of this article coming out. Now, one of the things that Rockstar did was they opened up their employees social media normally they don't allow their employees to post on social media about like working and work conditions it's just something they don't like to do they like to keep all that stuff in house understandable they're not hiding anything it's understandable but they lifted that and said you know what just tell hr if you want to say something about it and then say anything about it no consequences now let's be realistic are there going to be consequences if people are talking negative absolutely even if it's not even if it's something as simple as the boss saying like i don't like that guy i'm not going to fire him but I'm, I don't like him. I don't want, I don't, you know, you know, he's not a team player. I might not promote him in five years or whatever. So there would be, but people did come out and most of the people came out, said good things. Now that's to be expected because who's going to come out on their personal Twitter and trash the company they're currently working for? Not many people. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so eh, you know, um, take it for what you can. I mean, it's, it's like, companies that delete negative reviews <laughs> i mean it's just it's you're, you're only seeing one side of the picture but jason Schreier's article finally came out yesterday so yesterday afternoon kotaku the head of the the, the the top of the article reads inside rockstar games culture of crunch and crunch if you don't know is that term for when development is getting near the end and you have to get it out by a certain date and you're behind schedule you work extra hours there's that time crunch there's that that workload bonus. It's stressful. You have to do it. Everybody does it in the in the tech industry and many other industries. Um, it's just not called crunch. Um, for instance, uh, when I worked at GameStop for many, many years, and it was right before Black Friday, I would work extra hours that week. That was my crunch because Black Friday was our retail release. You know, that was our big thing. You know, every everything has it. Um the Brewers almost made it to the, the World Series. You know, Game 7 uh, of the playoffs for the Brewers where they lost to the Dodgers, sadly. But I was talking to someone at Buffalo Wild. I was there during the day, and he's like, I'm so glad I don't have to work tonight. It's going to be bonkers. Okay, so Super Bowl, World Series, playoff games, sporting, sporting events. That's Buffalo Wild Wings's Black Friday. You know, we, we all have it. Everyone who works a job has that period where you have, like, this crunch. Now, I'm not saying crunch is necessarily healthy, and 100-plus-hour work weeks is not healthy. But you, 
you have that everywhere. There's always gonna be a time. It's not about if you have it or not, if you ever get busy at your job. Like when I first opened my store, I was the only employee. I was working, like realistically, I was working 66 hours a week, every week. I did it for two years. You know, I mean, I had to do that to make the business successful. You know, and I understand it's a little different because that's my business, but these people look at it the same way. This is their game. That game is their baby. Like my store is my baby. So, uh, so anyway, uh, getting into it here, they talked a little bit about, uh, so Jason Schreier goes on to say, let's see here. Do, 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 do. When I get to the good part here, um, here's this from the article I want to talk about. This was in the article. So this is written by Jason Schreier two Sundays ago, a glowing article in New York magazine about the making of red dead redemption Two ignited controversy. Thanks to a quote left unexamined and unexplained in which Dan Hauser described working quote 100 hour weeks to get the game out the door. The following Monday, Hauser said in an email statement to Kotaku that he was only referring to the writing team and only for a period of three weeks. On Wednesday, the company lifted its social media policies, allowing employees to share thoughts on their own experiences with crunch. Um, uh, this account, blah, 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 blah. There's a number here I wanted to get to because he interviewed a lot of people. So, uh, the tale of Red Dead Redemption 2's development is complicated and sometimes contradictory. For some people at Rockstar, it was a satisfying project, an ambitious game that took reasonable hours and far less crunch than the company's previous games. Many current employees say they're happy to work at Rockstar and love being able to help make some of the best games in the world. Others described Red Dead 2 as a difficult experience, one that cost them friendships, family time, and mental health. Nobody interviewed said that they had worked 100-hour weeks that would equate to seven 14-hour days. But many said their average weekly hours came close to 55 or 60, which would make for six 10-hour days. Or Jason Schreier, I'm sorry to say, five 12-hour days. Which, I'll be honest, I actually work four or five 10-hour days a week, so I work 40 to 50 hours a week now. And I actually prefer that. I prefer to work longer days. So it would make more sense to me. Like when they say 55 or 60 hours, say 60 hours, that could be five, your normal five days a week, Monday through Friday, but you're working eight to eight instead of, you know, eight to six or eight to five with a half hour break or eight to four thirty, have whatever. So eight to eight. Okay. You know, again, the person who worked at Buffalo Wild, did they have to stay late to clean up and, and, and do extra work? Did they have, did I have, did I have to stay late? Okay. Let me, let me tell you this story working at GameStop. So the day after Christmas was always a big sale, but we're closed Christmas Day. And you have to have all the sale stuff set up before you leave on Christmas Eve. So this is like some Ebenezer Scrooge type stuff. So we've got at, you, you're open till 6 on Christmas Eve. You have to be there till 6.30 doing your normal closeout stuff. And then you have to stay for an hour or two setting this marketing plan. So... Did I have to work extra for Christmas in the retail account because of it being my my release window? That was my that was my crunch time. Absolutely. And I did it. And I was a salaried manager and I didn't get paid a single extra penny for that. And it sucked, but it was important to me to have a good store. I took pride in my work and there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, I think that's good. And you know what? I knew that I could at any time go find a different job if I wanted. But I liked what I was doing. I liked working in games. I liked the people I worked with. And so that's okay. Like it, I'm, I'm sick of people acting like anyone who has to work 55 to 60 hours a week is somehow a victim. I, I just don't, I'm not seeing that, you know, I'm sorry. I just really, you know, and, and yes, would I love to work only 40 hours a week? Yes. Dave's on vacation this week. I'm working 55 hours this week, whatever. It's again, it's my store. So it's a little different situation, but this is how it goes. You work extra when, the, when you have to. Um, and honestly, it's a paid vacation for Dave. So it's not like 
I'm saving money by me working instead of him. I'm still paying him. Even though it's not working. So, <laughs> you know, uh. um, but so that, that really stuck out to me. Many said that their average weekly hours came close to 55 or 60, which would make for six, 10 hour days, or again, five twelves. Most current and former rockstar employees said they had been asked or felt compelled to work nights and weekends. Some were on hourly contracts and got paid for overtime, but many were salaried and did not receive any compensation for their extra hours. That sucks, and I'm the first one to say it. I didn't like it at GameStop, but it was what I signed up for. If you go to work for a game company and you're salaried, you know what you're getting into. You should know what you're getting into. Anyway, I'd be very surprised if you didn't. I mean, that's just how it's how it works. And, you know, I know a lot of people that went to work in games, they worked in games for a little bit, and then they left to go into other sectors because they didn't like how they were treated in the game industry. And now we could talk for hours about how that's especially not good for the game industry. Losing talent to people that don't want to put up with the dynamic is not good. You're losing talent. Not good. But that's not, you know, I just feel like it's, they're not a victim, I feel like. And everyone's always so quick to be like, you shouldn't buy Red Dead Redemption 2 because, you know the people had to work all these hours and crunch and they don't take care of their employees. Okay. Well, I hope you don't shop at Walmart, GameStop, Best Buy, or any retailer. And don't give me that you shop online garbage either. If you shop online, you don't think the Amazon warehouse is just getting slammed on black Friday when they have all their deals. You know, that people are working their Friday, Saturday, Sunday, probably 12, 14 hour shifts. So you're going to boycott Amazon. You're going to boycott every retailer this holiday season because people have to work extra. Come on, let's be realistic. Um, now again, if it came out that it was true and like a hundred people at rockstar said, yes, they forced us hundred hour work weeks and they wouldn't let us use bathroom breaks. And I'd be like, Oh my God. Yes. Rockstar's terrible. 55 to 60 hour work weeks. Give me a break. Give me a break. Yes. In a perfect world, will we all go down to a four day, 32 hour work week so we can enjoy more free time? Yes. I would love it. I would love to work less. <laughs> Who wouldn't, <laughs> you know, I love my job and I still want to work less. You know, I don't know. It's, I don't, I'm so sick of this. Like they're a victim. They're not a victim. They're getting paid money and they get to work on an amazing project that they, that they get to work on. And it's America. So if you don't like your job, you can leave. <laughs> it's not, you know, uh, anyway, I'm just, I'm going off on a tangent now. Um, so many of the most harrowing stories shared by current and former employees, anecdotes of damaged relationships, mental breakdowns, and heavy drinking at work were impossible to print without risking that the individuals involved might be identified. I, I mean, working can stress you out. When I've worked a lot, I'll be honest, I've had issues with Dave and Dom where sometimes I'm a little shorter on my fuse. Like, I get that. Sometimes I come home, and if I had a rough day, it's hard to be really positive and hang out with the wife when you're tired. But that's your... Ch like, that you can fix that. And heavy drinking at work, how is that Rockstar's fault? How is that at all Rockstar's fault? I'm, I'm sorry. Trying to put that on, on any sort of blame on them is absolutely ridiculous. Um, given Rockstar's complex non-disclosure agreements and possible repercussions for violating them, we erred on the side of being as cautious as possible in this piece, which meant leaving out some of the roughest details we heard. I would love to hear those details, but if you've worked anywhere, like as a GameStop manager, and I'm not, I'm not going to blanket statement this because it's not the same everywhere, but as a GameStop manager, I remember there were a lot of managers that would come in and they would instantly start complaining. I don't have enough payroll for my employees. I have to work extra. I have to do inventories. And the people that complained the most were typically not the best workers. I mean, that's just my experience in my salaried uh, industry was that the people who complained all the time weren't the people who were the best workers anyway. Now, I'm not saying that at Rockstar. 
and I'm saying it's fair to complain, but if you're complaining, like, like how can people who work in the same place in the same position on the same game have two totally different experiences? We don't know these people's stories. You don't know what their personal life is like, and maybe their personal life is hell, and maybe it carries over to work. Maybe they're narcissists. Maybe they're sociopaths. You don't know. So, like, to listen to them complain and act like that's the norm, when clearly the norm seems to be that everyone's content, you know? But it also does go to say that everyone here, like, uh, and here, here's some interesting stats, too. I'm going to go over this. From January through March 2018, according to these statistics that Rockstar shared with Kotaku, Rockstar employees worked an average of 42.4 hours from April. Uh, that was from January to March 2018. From April to June, they hit 45.5 average hours. And from July through September, 45.8 hours. The averages include people from all disciplines and working on all of the company's projects, which helps explain the discrepancy between those numbers and the anecdotes we've heard. So... Uh, which obviously if they just pulled Red Dead, obviously between this last number, which is July to September, of course those hours are going to go up. And that might not even be Rockstar's fault. It might just be somebody who's going, you know what? I'm really close to cracking this. Um, I watch um, one of my favorite game designers of all time is David Jaffe. And uh, he worked on God of War, Twisted Metal is his baby, you know, like he worked on all that stuff. I'm drawn to death. Um, he's like my favorite game designer, not, not only because uh, I like what he does i like his attitude and you can you can watch his live streams i'm doing a lot of live streams. he's not really working in games right now but he's doing this live stream he's just popping on being really candid with people and you know he made a really good point he said yes there comes a point where you have and jim sterling did this in his video recently about this he talked about diminishing returns like yes if you work like 14 days in a row those last few days that last week even might really start your work's gonna go down like i it's not you're not wrong there you need that reset time but there were times when David Jaffe said, you know what, if we're crunching a bug, we're, we're crushing a bug. And he's like, you're chasing it. And he's like, you might chase it for 10 hours in a day, 10 hours past when you're supposed to go home. But if you get that bug and you were on the trail and you got it, he's like, you got it. And that sense of accomplishment was worth it, he said. So it's not like after working eight hours in a day that your your quality of work goes down. I work 11 hours every day, sometimes 12 or 13. And I don't see my work getting any worse by the end of the night. Like, yeah, I got home last night. I worked by myself yesterday, which is an uncommon thing at our store nowadays. And I worked by myself all day because of Dave being on vacation. And like, I was beat at the end of the day. But at the end of the night, it wasn't like, it wasn't like at eight o'clock, I was sitting on the chair, like rolling around, like, oh, I want this day to be over. I was doing my job and that was over. And then I came home and I went, you know, it was fine. I don't know. Um, so they go on to say, though, uh, in an email on Monday, Colby offered another explanation for the discrepancy, saying that the averages for Red Dead would not would not be meaningfully different and that days off were actually included in those averages, although weeks off were not. However, the explanation of the discrepancy between the cross-company data and the individual anecdotes is just that. You're hearing individual anecdotes, which are usually anecdotes, which are usually self-selecting both for the most extreme ends of the scale as well as for people who clearly have issues with our process, she said. Uh, there are absolutely people who, at various times, worked really long hours. There are also individuals who are exaggerating what their actual hours were, as we have confirmed their self-reported numbers at the time as substantially lower from what they have, from what they recall having done in their online postings. And we have offered to share the evidence of that with you, if given permission from those people. So Rockstar is saying we have like people's timesheets that if they're okay with it, we'll show you that they said they worked 60 hour weeks when we have them on average working 45 or something like that. And now that doesn't mean that they didn't work a 60 hour week. It might mean that they worked, you know, 40 hours a bunch and then had a couple 60 hour work weeks that would pull your average up. So it's not saying they never worked it, you know, and I'm not saying that 
they never did. It's just, I don't, I don't, I'm getting so frustrated with this story because instantly everyone jumped up Rockstar's butt and it was just like, they're treating their employees like garbage. And like, well, if they treat their employees like garbage, nobody would work there, you know? And if they're treated like garbage, they're obviously getting paid enough where it's still the better gig than going somewhere else, being treated nice and not getting any money. So, I mean, that's just, it's that simple people. It really is. You know, I mean, it, it, I, at my, okay, I'm, I'm going to share something really honest with you. Um, and, and I'll, the reason I'm being honest about it is because I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. So when I worked at GameStop, they paid everyone who started like as a part-time or paid minimum wage. That's it. So I think at the time it was probably seven, seven dollars still or seven twenty-five back then, which I think it still is actually seven, it's like seven bucks. I was, I pulled two people from Best Buy that were making like $9 an hour. And I hired them at $7 an hour to come work for me at GameStop because they wanted to work at a game store with me as opposed to working at Best Buy with in the big mega corporate big you're only a number not a person at the store not that GameStop's not a big corporate but the stores feel more personal it was easy with my store now I've had people offer to work for me for store credit I've had people come in and say I would work here just for like store credit to buy stuff yeah <laughs> I would never do that because when someone works they deserve to be paid for that work especially if they work well now but I've had so many offers like that. I could have free labor probably. And, and you know, the games that I sell at the store, that's not what I'm paying for them. So say I was going to pay someone $100, but they take $100 in in merchandise, that's more like $50 I'm paying for their $100 worth of work. Yeah, that could save me a ton of money. I would never do that though. And so when you when you work somewhere that you like, you're willing to take less money. And that's that's what... You know, if that's more important to you, I should say, but it depends on how much money. I mean, you could like, and I always say about my job though, if I'm kind of rambling here, sorry, but at my job, I always say, I love what I do. And if I didn't love what I do, I'd go somewhere else to get paid a whole lot more to do it. You know what I mean? Like I, if I didn't, if I didn't love what I did, I would go somewhere else. And when you like what you do and you like the people you're with, you're willing to put up with certain things, you know, and also like, um, that goes on a great resume. I mean, like working on Red Dead Redemption 2, you think, and this is something else that David Jaffe said that I really respect, is he said, you could be an under-the-line guy at Rockstar, work on Red Dead Redemption 2, put up with that for a year or two, and you could be a top-the-line guy at a smaller company for probably the same pay you were making, but now you're a management-level guy. And then what you do is after you work there a couple years, then you're a management-level guy. So now you go back to Rockstar and say, hey, I've been working uh, product development management, so I want to get this project management job. You've already got experience here, and you go there. Then maybe you get promoted there, and then you hop somewhere else, if that's what you want to do. And I'm not saying be loyal to your companies. Be as loyal to them as they are to you. If your company doesn't take care of you, don't take care of them. It's ultimately why I left GameStop. Um, you know, and, and the other part of this, too, is that a lot of this stuff is corporate policy, these mandatory overtimes and things like that. And so there's not much you can do about that. But what really comes into play then is middle management, middle and upper management, middle management. Like when I worked at GameStop, if my district manager had come in and said, if my district manager come in and said, Hey man, I know you're working your butt off. Let's go out to lunch. Let me take you out to lunch. I I just really appreciate what you do. Let's get you out of the store for an hour or two. The guy's got it covered. I know you still got to work 60 hours this week, but I appreciate you. And I appreciate what you're doing that can make a big difference too, because you know, you feel appreciated, you know, and while they may not show that in a paycheck because you're salaried and you're not allowed to get paid more for working more, that doesn't mean you can't, your, your boss, your manager can't still take care of you in different ways. And maybe he'll say something like, Hey, after the crunch is over, just take an extra day off on your vacation. I won't take it off your PTO. 
you can do stuff like that. Like those middle and upper managers can do stuff like that. And that's how you take care of people. I will admit, I never felt like that at GameStop. I never felt taken care of that way. Um, I felt like uh, I was told one time by an old boss, and I don't think he listens to this podcast and we're friends now. So I don't want to like, I don't want to upset him if he would hear this, but he told me something one time that stuck with me for a really long time. And, and he told me, cause I, I was saying something about how, you know, sometimes when we do is like just being told thanks would be nice. You know, like, like thanks for working your butt off, you know? And I remember he looked at me and he said, your paycheck is your thank you. <laughs> and <laughs> I almost lost my mind right there. I almost lost it on him right there. Um, because your paycheck is not your thank you. Your paycheck is, is, is your compensation for the hard work you put in. A thank you is a bonus you can do that a, 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 the thank you is what you can do to go above and beyond to show your employees that you appreciate them. And so that's a little bit of a management, uh, a little bit of management technique there. So if you, um, if you're ever going to be a manager someday and you want to, uh, take good care of your employees, it's, it really is that easy. So please just do it. It's not hard to be a good boss. It's actually quite easy, but you, yeah, there is some self-sacrifice there though, too. Like you have to care and you have to be willing to go to your boss and say, Hey, go to bat for him is what we call it. You have to go to bat for your employees and say, Hey, this guy's really good. This girl's really good. I got to make him happy. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the crew out to lunch or I'm, I'm going to give him an extra day off when crunch is over. I'm just going to do it off the books, you know, or, or I'm going to let him leave at noon, uh, on this day. Uh, cause his kids got a dance recital, his or her kids got a dance recital. You can take care of people that way. It's not a big deal. Um, but, uh, I, like I said, I'm just sick of the, the victim, the, the victim card here being played. And it's not even being played by the employees. It's like being played by other people who don't work there and don't understand anything at all about how the culture is there. Um, and so, uh, but then that person who had talked about the stats goes on to say, there are absolutely people here, uh, who have at various times worked really long hours. So they're, they're acknowledging it happens. She's acknowledging it happens. Um, now here is some, and this is true because this is something too. If you remember my last video, or if you heard my last podcast, I talked about, how that Dan Hauser statement of we don't expect anyone to work long hours that was bullcrap too like I'm not I'm not sticking up for Rockstar here all the way like like that was total corporate jargon like no of course we don't expect our employees to work extra they it's totally voluntary You're like yeah okay like whatever it's not voluntary um, so here were some of the quotes from that several current staff said they were infuriated by Hauser's comments implying that overtime at the company was voluntary quote I didn't volunteer for it said one current developer. Quote, I just know that the cost of working where I'm at, we've heard the highest number of tough crunch stories from two offices in particular, Rockstar Lincoln in the United Kingdom and Rockstar's main headquarters in New York City. From other Rockstar studios, we've heard a variety of positive and negative stories. One studio we did not hear much from was Rockstar India, although those at other offices said they'd heard that overtime was bad there as well. Um, Personal experiences may differ, but anecdotes from current and former employees paint a consistent picture. Rockstar Games is a complicated and sometimes difficult company, one where working hard is equated to working as many hours as possible. Um, yeah, I guess that's about all I have to say about that. I, I, it, you know, you choose to work there. And I'm not saying that it means that they should abuse you, but put your time in there, grind it out, and then go work on something else. Go work somewhere else. Um, and, and the average was 42 to 45 hours a week from January until September. So, I mean, there's their numbers they're sharing with you, unless you want to start talking about how they're lying. And I guess that's fine. <laughs> but if you don't believe that they're telling the truth when they have like payroll averages sent to you, then you're not going to believe anything I say. So I don't even know why you'd still be listening at this point. Um, but anyway, that, so that's it. That's just a little follow up to, uh, to Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, and, uh, yeah. 
so I think that'll be uh, uh, that'll be a story that keeps going on and and something that hopefully this uh, hopefully that a culture that can change but really won't and, and actually I have one final thought about this I was gonna tweet this out but I would have been probably just decimated um, here, here's what I really think people right now are saying that crunch is an abject manager failure I'd argue that crunch is getting your people like getting that product out on time and using crunch as an effective way to do that I could I would consider that effective management motivating your people to get the job done is what a manager does now if you abuse those people they won't be around for the next game you ship and you may not get the best quality out of the next person you have but that's what a manager does a manager gets the job done in the time they have this game was already delayed twice people and it was delayed a ton and you know i had this com i had this conversation with somebody online too the other day where they were saying you know um if you delay games that's not just delaying the, it's not just going to gamers and saying hey can you wait an extra four months for a game and we're all like sure no big deal it's not just that you have to expect higher cost in games you have to expect delays more expensive games and less quality games that's what you will get maybe more polished games but maybe not because the way these companies work isn't really like that so if you want everyone to go down to 40 hour work weeks and they can't go over it maybe it's some sort of like you know unionization thing which i'm okay with them unionizing but if but all that stuff, if they're a union, they have union fees. So now they're going to start like asking for more money from the, the companies they work. There's going to be an expectation there. That cost gets directed back to the customer. So you have to not only be okay with delays in your games, but you have to be okay with the potential of them not being as good. And you have to definitely worry about the raise in prices. Now, I'm the first one to say, I personally, I don't shop at Walmart. I made that conscious decision a long time ago because I don't like how they pay their employees. They pay them very, very low wages and they don't, they, you know, they purposely keep them from full time so they don't have to give them benefits and they pay really badly and they pay poorly. I don't like it. A full-time worker at Walmart still qualifies for, um, government assistance. They make so little there. If that's any, any sort of realization to you. Uh, so I don't shop there and that's, and that's my choice. Um, you know, because I don't like how they choose boys. So am I okay with paying more for games if there's some sort of, like, will I pay $70 for a Rockstar game because it got delayed and, and wait an extra year knowing that the employees there all love their job and they're taken care of? Yes, I would. I have no problem saying it. Yes, I would. I'm okay waiting and paying more money if customers are taken care of or if, if employees are taken care of because ultimately that should lead to a better product, uh, which is good for us anyway. But, you know, and I know it's different for me because I am, I'm honestly, I'm comfortable. I, I live a comfortable life. So I don't have to pinch pennies, but some people do. Um, but you know what? Would I pay an extra dollar for a 20 piece nuggets at McDonald's if the employees working there were making like $10 an hour instead of eight? Yeah, I guess I probably would. You know, I would, I would, I'd pay extra money at those places. I'd pay extra money at restaurants if we didn't have to tip and we could just the waitresses just made waiters and waitresses just made a livable wage. Even though if you talk to a lot of them, they don't like that because they like the cash. Um, but now again, I'm willing to pay more to a company that takes care of its people over ones that don't. All right. And then lastly, <laughs> Oh baby, this just keeps getting worse and worse. Um, so this is a follow-up to another story. Um, Let's see here. I want to make sure I get this right. 
let me see. I gotta find the right Google, uh, right Google article to talk about. So the the podcast listeners, as always, are getting the behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. Let's see here. Um. Okay. 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 Here we go. <laughs> so I got it. All right. And lastly, the story we're gonna talk about today is the PlayStation name change and how really not good this sounds. So uh, I declared sarcastically a few weeks ago that the console wars were over because Sony put the final nail in the coffin by allowing you to change your display name on your PlayStation. So uh, Sony announced PlayStation Network ID changes were finally happening. It was revealed that a beta would be taking place before full implementation. Some users in the UK are reporting being sent invitations for the beta, meaning we may finally learn more details. During, during the initial announcement, it was mentioned that ID changes come with some caveats and, should, and could potentially lead to some issues and bugs. While the full overview of the beta has revealed some of these worrying potential issues, according to PlayStationLifestyle.net. Um, so, obviously, it's good news that you can change your name. And they'd already said this first part which says not all games and applications for PS4, PS3, Vita, and other PlayStation systems support the online ID change feature if you change your online ID. Hmm. Well, that's kind of weird, but okay. You know, it's it's still, it's clearly something that's, it's basically something that's going on top of something existing. So the, your, your, your original name that you have is going to be there forever. This is just some sort of like cover up, basically, I think is, is what it is. So it's some way of like changing how your name is displayed. So that's why not all software is compatible with it. However, it gets real crunchy real quickly. Um, important information before changing your online ID. Not all games and applications support the online ID change. Okay. You may lose access to content, including paid-for content that you have acquired for your games, including content like add-ons and virtual currency. What? Uh, you may lose your progress within games, including game save data, leaderboard data, and progress towards trophies. Huh? Parts of your games and applications might not function properly both online and offline. What? What? Your previous online ID may remain visible to you and other players in some places. Okay, well, I guess we got the bad ones out of the way right away. Uh, change online ID restrictions during preview. The changes during the preview will adhere to the following structure. First change is free for all users. Second change will be charged uh, 9.99 euro. Uh, if your previous online ID violates any of the current terms of service, you will not be able to revert back to your previous online ID. So <laughs> if your ID is like butt chugger XXX69, you might not be able to go back. <laughs> uh, you can revert to your previous online ID once per account during the preview period. Sub accounts cannot utilize the change online ID feature. After you change your online ID, it may take a few hours for some services and applications to reflect the new ID. If for any reason you have issues after changing your online ID, you can revert back to, to your previous ID at no charge. However, you may only do this once during the preview period. Changing back to your previous online ID may not fix all issues. You may not recover any or all lost content, progress, or functionality. If you want to change back, do so as soon as possible because changing back to your previous ID may affect content, game progress, and functionality associated with your new online ID. Oh my goodness. I love me some Sony. 
but my God, this is the biggest mess I've ever seen with something that should be as simple as changing your name. <laughs> so what I, here's what I don't, here's what I really don't get clearly. Okay. So clearly let's start at the base level. Clearly when they designed the PSN, your username was linked to the very core of that username because if it wasn't, you could change it. You, it's not just a display name. It's not just your email that's tied to it. That username you originally created somehow is tied into everything. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so that's a terrible design, but okay. It's a mistake they made. I don't know. It probably goes back to the PS2 days when they were implementing online. And then when they came to PS3, they're like, oh, yeah, people don't, you know, people make a user ID. Here's a user ID. It's linked in here. Some software engineer was like, it's really fast. It'll make it work great. Some software engineer that's laughing his ass off right now going, oh, man, that was terrible, man. I wish I knew now what I knew 16 years ago. Man, things would be different. <laughs> um, but uh, so... It's not so basically what it is, it somehow changes your ID and will somehow make it not compatible. Essentially, what you're doing is almost like making a new account with that new ID, but they're trying to like merge the two together, and that's why some will work, which doesn't make any sense because what really should be able to happen is you should be able to make a new PlayStation account with a new username and migrate your licenses over. Why doesn't that work? Right. So like maybe you have to make a whole new PSN, like you have to maybe even have a new email, which would suck, you know, but you have to enter a new email address, make a whole new account. Then you contact Sony or they have a migration thing where you say you log into your old one, you log into your new one. It transfers everything from the old to the new old one um, disappears. Why can't that be a thing? Like, why is that so hard? And I mean, it almost like that sounds like it should be easier than what they're trying to do here. Like this, this seems like one of those last ditch efforts. Like we're going to do anything we can to make this work, no matter how much of a mess it is. And this is a mess. Now we don't know how bad it's going to be. And maybe it happened in like 0.01% of users. So they put it in here as a way to not get sued, to not, you know, so that people know the adherent risks. Maybe they put this in here just to scare a lot of people away from doing it so they don't have a mass, like, influx of requests and crash the servers or something. I don't know. I don't know, but this is quickly becoming one of the biggest messes. So we'll have to see what happens. I am very curious. I am this close to trying it, but I've got, I had my username from the PS3 original, and I've had it for my PSP, my, my PS3, my Vita, and my PlayStation 3, my PlayStation 4. I have so much stuff on there. I'm not losing access to any of it. I am not taking the chance. And uh, my buddy Dave, who has a ridiculous PSN username, <laughs> he's thinking about trying it, but he doesn't want to lose any of his stuff either. It's crazy, man. And, and so I look at this, and, I, you know, so at first, you know, like I said, the console wars were over, man. Sony had it. Sony won, man, with name changes jokingly obviously sorry slash s um but my god this is terrible <laughs> if, if any of this happens to anyone this is terrible my goodness my goodness and and then if you go back it may not even fix it if you go back how's that possible how come at this point they don't make a mass data back like when you when you apply for this it should be done i hate to say but it should be done through a web portal not through the playstation do it through a web portal you have to do it through a web portal Backup instantly, back up their account at the moment they change their name. 
if that name change screws anything up, you can revert it back to normal and they're fine. Why is that a problem? Like how janky is this system that you can't make a change and then revert it back to before they made the change? I don't know. It's weird. It's effing, it's effing weird, man. So anyway, that's all I really had to say about it. Uh, Sony, my God, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. This is terrible. Uh, anybody making a PSN idea, take care of yourself because it's about to get weird. It's about to get weird. And, it, you know, if you try it, please let me know how this works out because I cannot believe that this is even a possibility, that this is even on the – why it's, it reminds me of – um. It reminds me of those uh, medication commercials, right? So it's like, oh, um, you know, um, super, super biomax. Uh, it will cure all cancer. Like, oh, cool. Side effects might include, you know, crapping your pants every hour. Um, <laughs> erectile dysfunction. You may have bleeding out of all of your orifices. Um, your fingers might turn purple. Uh, you may die. Um, definitely ask your doctor if you should use <laughs> super biomax before, before uh, you die. <laughs> Like, that's what it sounds like. Hey, you guys ready for the big PlayStation name change? Uh, and then really quickly, the words just goes, <clears throat> you may lose access to content, including paid for content that all is required to your games, including content like add-ons and virtual currency. You may lose your progress within games, including game save data, leaderboard data, and progress towards data. Parts of your games and applications might not function properly, both online and offline. Your previous ID may remain visible to you and other players in some places. Please contact your doctor. All right, so that was kind of fun, huh? I, I, I do I do funny voices. It's somebody doing these really funny voices. Um, so on the podcast now, listeners, because you're all that's left, we're not doing any more uh, YouTube recordings. So to to my podcast peeps, I owe you a game recommendation. And shocker, are you guys ready for this? You're not gonna believe this. Uh, I didn't pick one out ahead of time. So we're just sitting here. Uh, I'm looking at my Nintendo games. Uh, oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. You know, I can't imagine anyone's not played this that would listen to my podcast or has been in my store. But let's talk about DuckTales. Uh DuckTales for the NES. This is an excellent, excellent game. Uh it's a 2D platformer, I guess you would say. You play as uh Scrooge McDuck and you go to all these different levels. What I love the most was you get to pick what levels you go to. There's no it's not level one, level two, level three, it's Pick a stage, you know, kind of like Mega Man. Um, and uh, you go side to side through different areas like the Amazon. You go to outer space. You go to all these other places. Uh, and then you have your cane, which you can hop on kind of like a pogo stick. And and so there's like, and you hop on enemies, you kill them that way. Uh, and you can use it to pogo up to higher places to get to different secrets and stuff. It's really, really good. Um, excellent, excellent game. Graphics great. Music's great. They did a 3D kind of remake of this for the PS3. And it wasn't bad, but... It did something that really pissed me off, and well, first of all, I did something really good, and they got the original voice actors from the cartoon to voice act the characters in the remake. I mean, that's awesome. But one thing they did that really pissed me off was normally you'd go to a boss, a little text box would appear, they speak to you, and then you get into the game and you fight the boss. Well, because they added voice acting and because they added all this stuff and modernized it, everything took longer. So you're sitting there for like five minutes, like listening to people talk. I'm like, oh, I just want to just play the damn game, you know? Like, just get to it. Um, very, very good game. Very hard near the end too. Like this game certainly is no joke. Um, it's difficult, but it's fun. Uh, it's fair and it's really good looking, good music. It's, it's like, like Capcom, anything Capcom did that was licensed Disney stuff on the NES is pretty incredible. So check it out. You won't regret it. I don't think maybe you will. I, you shouldn't. If you regret it, I don't know what to tell you. I apologize. I don't know. Um, but anyway, play DuckTales. It's fun. Yeah. Let me put that back in the, in the thing here. 
put it back on my shelf. All right. <clears throat> and so as always, thank you everybody for listening and watching if you're watching on YouTube or Twitch. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast on SoundCloud, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can search for Game Talk Radio in the podcast app and find us there. Or you can go to SoundCloud and listen to us there, of course. Um, otherwise, if you are listening to this, we would love and appreciate a YouTube subscription. If you haven't already, just go to youtube.com slash the drop rate, not drop rate. Look for the yellow and gray DR logo uh, and click on the channel. And look for my beautiful face. Me, Jordan and Jeremy still running the channel. Um, we're almost to 3300 subs. Let's take a look. Um, we're getting up there though. And we're doing really good. I'm really proud of us. Um, it's been awesome. So, um, if you could though, any more subscribers and that's great. We're just keep grinding away and then hopefully hit, you know, 3,500 by the end of the year. And then it's maybe 5,000 by the end of next year. We don't know. We know sky's the limit really. I mean, we should be growing at an accelerated rate too. So we might even hit 6,000 by next year. We don't know. We don't know. The tough part is sticking with it all because it's kind of difficult, you know, like you grind and you grind and you grind and then you, you know, you feel like you're not going anywhere, you know, but um, but it's fun and it's, it's something I'd like to do. So as long as you guys keep listening and watching, we'll keep making content. That's a promise. So thank you again, as always for listening and watching. Have yourselves a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>